you know, we're not just learning how to punch. We also need to learn how to be punched. That's my favorite part <laughs> because there are two reasons. So first is that once you know how it feels like to be punched, right? Then you can choose either you can't take it, then you have to run away, you have to dodge it, or you know that your body is capable of handling some pain. Because you know, if you take a step back to avoid the punch, and then you, if you want to attack back, you have to take another step to punch, right? But if you stand where you are. And then you know that your body is capable to take the heat. It's actually faster for you to fight back, right? Because you don't have to go back to where you are and then attack back. Then you are acutely aware of how much your body can take the heat, right? Because I feel like the true confidence comes from that, knowing exactly the limit and capacity of your body, and that also applies to our life as well. Like it's also related to not just our body, our our Physical muscles, but also our mental muscle. Knowing exactly where's the boundaries, capacity, and limit of our mental muscles, right? And then that's where we are comfortable and confident of knowing what we can do and what we can't do. Hey everyone, I'm Dean Long, the host of Lifeline Podcast, where we are going to have deep conversations with changemakers from all around the world, working hard every day to make the world a better place. My guests share about their journey, what impact they are having, what are the challenges, successes and lessons learned along the way. And I hope you can take away a few things from these role models and apply it to your own journey as a changemaker. If you like this episode, you can share it with two of your friends, put a five-star review or comment on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. And of course, subscribe to receive every episode and continue learning from all these role models. All right, let's get started with today's episode and I hope you enjoy. Today's episode is very special. We are welcoming back Linka Lin for the third time on Lifeline. Linka was our guest for episode 1 and 25 and if you haven't listened to her yet, go for it right now. She previously shared with us how she reinvented herself from being a Chinese English translator to a community builder, mentor, cheerleader, youth advocate for thousands of youth in Asia Pacific with UNDP. Her mission is to be a dose of inspiration for others and to spread kindness around her. In this third chapter of Linka's life, we dive deeper into who Linka really is. We explore how her identity evolves as she knows herself better and how she wants people to remember her. We discuss her relationship with martial arts, why it's more than a sport for her and why enduring physical pain makes her a better person. And finally, she shares about the books that help her become a more action-oriented person and understand the world around her. Enjoy the episode and see you soon. Bye. Hi, everyone. So welcome to the third episode with Linka. I'm sure you all know her by now. Uh, it's a second episode which we record on the video. Uh, this time there is no David, no filmmaker around to make sure the video is great. So yeah, it's just, you can see we can uh, have put some decoration. Uh, but anyway, so, so happy. First episode, third episode with Linka. But the first one, which is live, where we both have mics, uh, so it's super, super exciting. 
Um, okay, so I mean, Li- Linka has introduced herself twice already for episode one, episode 25. Um, maybe for those who meet you for the first time for episode three with Linka, would you like to introduce yourself <laughs> in a third way <laughs> that you haven't done yet? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I think it's actually when I think about personal identities, right? That's mm. something that we talk about in the first episode. Uh, but don't worry if you haven't listened to that. Um, for me, I think understanding who we are and what is important to us is always um, a lifelong journey and searching mm. process, right? And, um, and, You know, like I think we've talked about it in our catch up before. There's also a hierarchies of identities, yeah. right? Uh, you know, being uh, our, you know, our gender, our nationalities, those are part of our identities. It's also sometimes, we, you know, like for us, it's really when we introduce ourselves, um, which one do we pick and choose? What does it, uh, what, um, how do we want ourselves to be known to the, the audience, right? And uh, for me, I think. Um, I would say my pro- the tier one uh, identities are being a Hokkien speaker or someone from Hokkien culture. For those of you who don't know what is Hokkien, it's um, a province in southeast of China. If you m- visualize the map, uh, you know, in your head, it's in the same latitude as, as Taiwan, right? Uh, so for me, have, being a Hokkien speaker and someone from Hokkien culture is really my most important identity. And that also, and then followed by um, a person who's passionate about um, youth development, about entrepreneurship, about community building, and then followed by someone who believes in Uh, martial, who believes in martial arts for confidence building, for well-being. And then I think in the same level as that, it's also uh, a person who, you know, believe that as, as a human being, we all need to have, have trust, have empathy, um, and, you know, not rush into jumping into conclusions and, uh, you know, show respect and gratitude to each others. So that's a, a long list of identities. But I think in addition to that, obviously, you know, I am a, a person that, um, how to say, maybe I, I, I interact uh, mm. differently or I show different perspective of, of me when I'm interacting with different people. But I would say that all that... The list I share just now is regardless of who I'm interacting with, either is, you know, classmate of my martial art or uh, people I'm working with or people I just met briefly or, you know, some of you who just listened to this episode for the first time. I want you to remember those part of me first. And then, you know, it's like Legos, right? Like the more you know about someone, you, you know, the more you're building up the Lego of this person's profile. And I always believe that we can never know enough of a person. There's always something new, something that we are learning about a person, no matter how close or how familiar you are with this person. Like we've talked, we talk every day, right? Um, almost like uh, apart, apart from the days that we're not on, when you're on leave. <laughs> Otherwise, we talk every day, but every day I'm learning new things from you, mm. right? So I think that's um, 
that's also like we always learning things from people around us, regardless of how close or how familiar we are with them. I think it's a very good uh, intro of Link Episode Three because you know it's really. <laughs> I mean, we spoke already, I think, three hours and a half. Mm. Uh, and yeah, I think it's a good experiment on, okay, I mean, with Linka, let's do an episode. So far, it has been once a year, <laughs> because yeah, it's 2020, yeah. 2021, okay. 2022. Mm. So yeah, let's, uh, let's do that, because we'll always have topic to speak, so, to speak about. Mm. Uh, but you know, it's super interesting, because, okay, so usually Linka... <laughs> when we on Zoom, she would uh, show the map, the Google map of of, of uh, Xiamen. Mm. Uh, so yeah, so you can visualize it. So it's right next to Taiwan, and uh, no, I think it's super interesting. This concept of, I mean, your concept of identity, basically, how do you want people to see you? How do you want people to remember you? Um, but I feel like it's all because what. Like Hokkien is a, like, it's like where you were born, the language you speak, uh, youth engagement, empowerment, it's what you believe in, it's your vision, it's also your work. Um, then you said martial arts, so it's like activities that you do. It's mm. uh, interesting because some people might say the, where I was born, where my parents were born, my job title, you know, many times <laughs> it's the first thing that we say when we introduce yeah. ourselves. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Some people could say brands that they wear. Mm. Uh, you know, like yeah, my yeah. shoes, like, I, I mean, I usually don't share about these shoes when I introduce <laughs> myself randomly, but, you know, when I'm in the street in Cambodia, mm. many people have these shoes, so you can really spot them easily. Um, and yeah, so... It's like becomes an icebreaker. It becomes a common identity. Um, so yeah, I like it that you say it depends who you speak to. But it's interesting the mix. And maybe just to follow up on that. Okay, let's start with Hokkien. But has Hokkien identity always been number one? Uh, actually, no. Actually, no. I think it's uh, if you if you ask me, maybe five or ten years ago, mm. I wouldn't put that as my priority uh my like the the top of my identities uh but then i think r recently i started to realize how being someone from Hokkien culture has really uh, built the foundations of who, who i am mm. uh and then in addition to that i think it's also as you mentioned right like finding connections with people mm. so for me you know um, because Hokkien is is a culture also not just in 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 the province of, of the province mm. of China but also around uh, Malaysia around uh, Indonesia Singapore um, right so for me and, and sometimes I'm, sometimes I, I also if I say I'm from Hokkien it's uh it's also more well known to Thai people than saying it in Mandarin so that's mm. how because I am more you know um living and working around southeast asia region so for me uh, right it's, it's how you how you spot people wearing the same shoes on the street for me i realized hokkien is a way for me to connect with mm. um people in this region but i think in addition to that you know um when i was young my dad always told me that everyone has its root 
And so no matter how far we go, it's always those roots that remind us who we are. And, you know, we always come back to our roots. So when I was young, I don't understand. And, and, and also I secretly in my head was thinking about, well, if we are only rooted, like if we only stay in, in our roots, does that mean that we're not open-minded to something else? Does that mean that we are stuck at where we are coming from? Right, uh, but then the more I grow up, the more I see the world, the more I realize it's important to have a root. So then I feel like I'm grounded. It doesn't mean that okay, so I'm only speak Hokkien language. I'm from Hokkien culture, so I don't care about the rest of the world. No, it's not. It's more like when I'm in when I'm learning about the world, um, you know, I feel like okay, so. This is where I'm coming from. I'm from Hokkien culture, and I'm trying to find connections, or I'm trying to find, you know, something that totally opposite from my from my my culture, right? So for me, it's not. Um, it's it's really. I just recently started to realize, you know, having a root is so so important because I feel like, you know, imagine that we are we're plants, right? <laughs> Imagine we're a plant. I mean, then you know, the deeper the root is, the taller the plant grows. Right? It doesn't mean that we only focus on the root, but we ignore what is up there um, in the air. Mm. Mm. When you said recently, like, how, when did you realize it? Um, actually, <laughs> recently, I I think the seed was started when I was. Uh, in ICE, you know where mm. I was. Uh, so ICE is a social enterprise in Hong Kong that uh, brings the world to the young people in in Hong Kong, right? Um, so basically, we interacted in ICE. I interacted with a lot of people from different cultures. So one thing is that everyone is so proud to talk about where they're coming from, and. Initially, I don't have that sense of pride because mm. I don't understand my culture that well, and I'm just so inspired by people who's really, really proud of where they're coming from. And for them, it's um, uh, and then when when I'm interacting with them, so I started to ask myself the same questions. Um, so what it, what matters to me, you know, where I'm coming from, and also um, I think. A lot of people would say nationalities, right? As you mentioned, that um, uh, you know nationalities. But I think, for me, nationalities is a sense that it's not it doesn't come organically, right? But if it's culture identity, it comes organically, right? Nationality is a border that drawn by people intentionally or sometimes uh, forcefully, but then cultural identity is something that. Comes organically to us, so I feel like cultural identity is higher than my nationalities. When you say it comes organically, nationality, I only have one. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> your ten national. Yeah. Yeah. When you say culture comes organically, do you mean like because um, you are? Born, so you're national. Born in China, so your nationality is Chinese. So, do you mean like nationality is like sort of forced? You cannot choose. And Hokkien 
Because I guess Hokkien you cannot choose either because you speak Hokkien and it's your parents and stuff. But is it more like you this? Yeah, I don't know. What do you mean by? Uh, yeah, so I think nationality is such a black and white concept. Mm. So you are either this or that. But then cultural identity is more a bit fluid, right? So I can say I'm from Hokkien. I can say I'm from. Shaman, I can say that um, you know uh, that particular village. So mm. you know because culture, you can de- it it has like language. You can talk about it based on your language. You can talk about it based on your belief. You can talk about it based on geographical location. You can talk mm. about it based on the uh, rituals or activities that you have to follow. Um, and yeah, like I. Mm, for me, I think the reason why cultural it makes more sense it's exactly that the reason that you know that we can pick and choose and combine them together. It doesn't mm. have to be a black and white thing. So mm. mm. it's like uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. then you can yeah, there's so many things like a buffet, and you might not, I guess, identify with everything in Hokkien culture. So it's more like uh, yeah. Like 75%, 90%. I <laughs> guess it depends. Uh, okay. What? I mean, so the question of identity is... So it was not maybe top one identity before, but now it's it's obviously top one. Maybe it will remain, maybe not. We don't know yet. Uh, but how would you... How did you use to define yourself before? Um, yeah, if you ask me when I'm in university, I would start with um, actually start be t- introducing myself. If it's more like an international mm. context, I would definitely start with um, I'm Chinese, I'm a translator because that's my study, that's my subject, that's something mm. I thought I will be doing for the rest of my life. Um, I would say that. Um, mm. I would talk about things that I enjoy doing, um, you know, reading books, watching movies, all those kind of stuff. Um, but it's more like very activity-based um, way of saying who I am. Uh, yeah. It's a very, very different answer now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I think I like when you say... Sorry. Oh. <laughs> 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 Translation yeah. is something you thought you would do for the rest of your life. Uh, so I guess in all your identities, it's also things that for you will stay for the rest of your life. Like you know, like youth engagement. Most probably, it's something that will stick with you for the rest of your life. Because I think you could either, I, I, yeah. So I think I don't know if we, yeah. I mean, we speak about it all the time, but you know. When you say, oh, I'm a youth social entrepreneurship and innovation consultant at UNDP, your title might change, you know, like, yeah, it, it changes every year. You might change organization, but your purpose and what you do on youth engagement might not change mm. as easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. Um, but it's cool, it's perfect because um, I think. Like everything you said, like youth engagement, martial arts, 
uh, yeah, it's a good program for today. <laughs> uh, I wanted to speak about it. Uh, but yeah, maybe before. <laughs> so I was reading all the newsletters from James Clear <laughs> to find <laughs> ideas of questions. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, the first episode with you, 2022, we had New Year's, Lunar New Year. Maybe quick reflection question to kickstart. Mm. Um, what was a great memory from 2021? Ooh. And how can you recreate this magic in 2022? Wow. I think I would say the biggest thing for my 2021 was that I was home for five months mm. after a year and a half. And I think that was the longest time ever I, I, I didn't meet my parents and I didn't spend New Year's Chinese, sorry, Lunar New Year with them. And so I think that's definitely the highlight. And that's also when I started to connect deeper with my parents this time when I was home. Um, and how do I... So basically a little bit elaborations of why this is such an um, important and highlight of my 2021 was because I realized that my relationship with my parents started to change. Um, you know, before... Before 2021, I was always so insecure and scared of going home because every time when, I, when I'm home, I feel like they always have something to say to my life and they always wanted to help me decide how should I do something, how should I behave. And for me, I feel like this is just makes me feel very, very uncomfortable. So maybe I can share one example. I was... 26 the last time I went home right I mean before 2021 I was 26 I was like adult who can who's capable of making my own decision when it comes to whether or not I want to sit next to the fan <laughs> and then I remember that conversation so vividly I was just sitting there reading my books when my parents are you know meeting chatting with relatives suddenly my parents are Debating, so what? My my mom say that you're sitting next to fun. Go sit somewhere else. My dad was like, she'll be fine. Um, you know, she's 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 young. She's healthy. And then they keep arguing whether or not I should sit next to the fan. And I was sitting there thinking, do they notice I'm 26 already? That if I'm cold, I can find somewhere else to sit. Um, because obviously my track history and in family is not very i guess not very um give them didn't give them a very very positive impression that i'm good at taking care of myself so then that kind of impression lingers right till today they still feel like i'm not able to take care of myself and i have to they have to step in to whether where i, sh I i'm sitting so then i don't get cold Right, so that's one example. But then imagine just sitting next to fan as such a issues that they always trying to make sure that you know they they they're always trying to make decision for me. Imagine the rest of my daily life: what to wear, what to eat, where to go, um, <laughs> whom to meet, and uh, so 
obviously they have the best intention in the world, right? Because they care about me, they love me so so much, and I always have this debate with my mom. I say that I ask her, "Why are you always so anxious?" That So worried because you're worried and anxious makes me feel so uncomfortable, right?、Um, and then she always say that, "Oh, you understand when you're a mom. You understand when you're a mom." <laughs> and、um, so, so then this time when I'm home, I I I feel like okay, there has to be. I have to find a solutions to it. Otherwise, I don't want to feel. Uncomfortable and insecure all the time, right? So before I went home, I was a little bit like,、hmm, I'm not sure what will happen. But then,、um, in the nutshell, I would say three things from this、um, f- from the whole five months conversation. So the first thing is that I told my mom that my true feeling because. I remember I read a super super amazing book last year called "Thank You for Your Feedback," right? And then when we are communicating with each others,、um, they are different layers of our messages, right? Our subconscious intention, our intention that we thought that we are trying to convey, and our way of communications, and right. So sometimes the caring, the the fear, the anxiety. Is communicated in in an anger, in 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 angry messages. Is communicated in a very like、um, uh, hurt hurtful or damaging way, right? So, but then if you go beyond the way of communications and then jump and listen to the int- subconscious intention of this person and try to validate that subconscious intention, right? Are you saying all this hurtful thing because you are really, really scared, right? So if you bring that subconscious intention out and then validate it with a person you are talking with, then、um, the person will also realize, oh, actually, that's not my intention to hurt you. I was just so worried about you, right? So, so, so go back to the first point that I w- was trying to say. Um, so I started to pay attention to their intention, right? So、uh, subconscious intentions, and ignore how they communicate their worries, and、uh, and then I validate with my parents. And every time when they say something, I feel uncomfortable. I validate that. Are you saying this because you're very very worried about me? And and then I will say the follow up. Say I. This is how I will communicate if I were you.、Mm-hmm. Right, and then this will makes me feel so much comfortable, right? So that's like my step one, and then the step two is really communicate why, helping them to analyze and unfold why, you know,、um, why when she say that oh you are not parents so you don't understand. So I told her that、um, I don't think it's an issue of being a parents or not. For me, I feel like. You don't trust me that I can make my own decision. You don't see me as um as a a grown up person. You still see me as a child that you need to take care of. So I feel like there's a missing of trust. Um, and then she started to understand. She said she she accept that. So she was very very worried because she feel like she doesn't trust me enough to make my own decision. And then the third thing I did was that I pay attention to、um, how she communicated with her mom, right, my grandmother. And then after 
every time we visited, she will tell me, she will complain to me the same thing I complain about the way we're communicating. And then she will say like, oh my God, my mom, she always worry about this, she always worry about that. I'm already like, you know, a 50-something-year-old woman. Why would she still worry about that? So then I would say, but yes, that's exactly what you did to me. <laughs> and then, then she has, she was able to, understand my perspective because at the same time she's a, also a daughter mm. right um so i think i think the whole process was not possible if i come in with the anxiety of like oh my gosh she's going to think about i'm not capable of doing this and that again and then i built a wall between me and her right so um so then it takes sometimes i there's no quick fix to the issues. If we want quick fix, then we start to argue. We start to accusing each other. Why don't you? Why can't you see it from my perspective? Why don't you understand? Why are you always doing this and that? Oh, we actually had a rule in our family this time: never say always. Only focus on that moment, right? Because oh using always is very very hurtful right like if i i remember when i was home if i accidentally dropped like some rice or veggies on the table she was like oh my god you did this again you always do this <laughs> so then um and then we started to remind each other not just her also me never use always and just say that okay what happened this time what, uh, and and then we reflect and we review the process. Not not the veggie part. I mean, <laughs> I mean like, <laughs> um, yeah. So, I was sorry for the super long <laughs> stories, but that was just with my mom. And I have like equal oh. volume story of um, my connections with my dad. Um, I guess it's since it's lifeline, so I can just keep <laughs> yeah. on going. <laughs> The story, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no. I think uh, before I share the stories with my dad, it's anything that you in your head you want to oh, share. Or uh, no, I think. I mean, I guess it's very interesting. Uh, I mean, yesterday we spoke about with someone right with the crib about uh, parents and 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 children relationships. So, yeah. But from the other side, from the par- from the dad's perspective, so now it's just uh, I <laughs> get the, the children's perspective. Um, but no, yeah, I think for me, I guess I wonder since that moment how has the relationship evolved, uh, and now you know how do you feel about coming back to China? Because you said before you were a bit nervous to go back to to your hometown now what like how do you feel do you feel like excited do you feel yeah just wonder like how from that moment what does it change you know actually that's um i think i'm very comfortable right now because i know that no matter what they say i know what is i I know who i am Mm. uh and 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 i think that's actually connected to one aspect that maybe we'll focus on later is about self-acceptance, mm. right? Before I was anxious, I don't want to go back home because they, I mean, not in terms of like career choice or everything like, no, those are big things that are very, very supportive. I'm just talking about daily life. Mm. Um, I feel like 
um, I'm not I'm feeling insecure and anxious because I want them to accept me and mm. and but then it's just because I focus on their acceptance but I didn't focus on self-acceptance right like um, for me now when I'm home I feel like I'm I will be very very confident and comfortable because I know who I am I accept who I am even no matter what they say I'm I can also bring up my perspective and uh, I can set my boundaries mm, so I guess that's that's the change and and I think after that you know my right now my mom and my I mean we're we're very very close already but now we're closer because I feel like you know um, I can like we can be very very comfortable like communicating with each other even and then because before uh, before what happened last year she's always she's also very very scared of my frustrations and she's so scared like mm. she wants to give me tips and advices but then I always take took it as a criticism and then I mm. just like why are you why are you doing this again? That kind of things, and then and then she will stop giving me a lot of suggestions because I will always take it as like very very negatively. Mm. But now she's also more comfortable sharing my, his her perspective with me because I told her that you know just say whatever it's in your mind. If I disagree, I'll let you know and I will tell you why. And but I will always recognize your best that you have the best intention for me. Mm. Um, yeah, I think I really want to speak about self-acceptance. But I think you you wanted to share the story with your dad, right? <laughs> yeah, because I think it's um, it's it's also a a very how to say it's it's a very transforming story be- for me and for him as well. Um, because like this time when we when I was home, you know, because it's COVID, right? So it's nothing not a lot of other like activities to do so we walk uh in our neighborhood every day like one hour two hour just to have deep conversations and uh and then i asked him a lot of questions he will share with me his daily life his frustration in some of the family issues and you know sometimes he feels like he's very he's lonely no one really understands him etc etc so i feel like that kind of like listening to what he said without any judgment and rushing into conclusions makes him feel very very comfortable uh, like sharing everything with me and then on the top of that uh, I think I've told you this before right I started to see him not just as a father right I started to see him as a human being because if I see him as a father then I have these expectations and then I feel like I'm entitled of everything that he should do for me like he should understand he should be supportive he should do this and that for me and he should be like um a such unbeatable almighty person who is capable of everything right so then i started to see him as um as a human being and it really started from this question to him like if you can go back to any year of your life which year would you go back to and then he say around like 16, 17, something. And at that point, I was a bit sad. Like, oh, you don't want to go back to the year where when I was there? <laughs> but then I also, like, stopped myself from keep thinking that. It's like, this is not about me. This is about him. And then and I realized, okay, he's also an ordinary human being. He also wants to go back to 
the age where he can just be an individual, worries-free, and enjoying his life full of hope and、uh, vision for future, right?、Uh, and then, and yeah, and then what is really remarkable things that he has been doing is because of. Um, you know he's such a, a parent ambassador in our home village, right? He will always share how his friends, how his、um, classmates, that they will always find excuses to call their kids home and then find them a job in our home city, and then say that okay, this is so you're not leaving. Like some of them, like they have really good job, good future in Singapore, in Australia, in the U.S. and Different corners of the world, or even other cities in China, right? And and he was he would he would tell me that、um, all his friends and col- uh, uh, classmates, right? They will find tons of excuses forcing their kids to go back home, and then、um, and yeah. So, so for him, he always tries to talk to his peer and say that you know,、uh, it's 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 children's life. It's not our. It's not for us to say how we they want to spend their life. As parents, the best we can do is to create a safety net.、Mm. If things doesn't go well, if they fall, at least they have a home to come back to. But it's not for us to dictate and and talk and and design how their should、mm. how their life should be. So yeah, I think it's pretty inspiring for people. At his age, going through everything, and from a very traditional and conservative background, and everything started to see differently.、Uh, yes, it's something I really want to share. I'm really proud of him. <laughs> no, but it's nice. It's funny because you know when you said、uh, I reconnected with my parents, I put them in the same box.、Mm. No, like I don't know something happened with both at the same time.、Mm-hmm. But you have what I mean, two stories for each.、Mm. It's very interesting.、Oh. It's not like you know, there are two individuals、uh, with their own challenges, their own things, and you had. I feel like every time the root is, and it's linked to everything you have said. You know, like episode one twenty five, etc. It's like listening without judgment,、mm. trying to understand people's intention and needs. Yeah. Feel like secret recipe just to solve it. <laughs> no, because you know, with your mom, it's really okay. Listening to what she really is saying through her intention,、yeah. and your father listening to because he, yeah, just understand him because he feels lonely maybe sometimes,、mm. uh, and seeing both of them, not only as mom dad but as human beings. Yeah.、Uh, so yeah, I think it's very interesting.、Um, And、uh, yeah, like no, but it's funny because like I think it's a topic、uh, that I do, like I don't hear a lot. I don't speak a lot about on Lifeline. Just one time with Tuti because he's an actual parent, but I never. I think it's something we all face, you know, as youth, the relationship、mm. with parents.、So、I、yeah. think the few times I speak about it is more. How did you convince your parents to、uh. pursue social impact career? Because that's one of the issues that comes <laughs> back, right? Like parents、yeah. don't accept. Yeah,、But、I think it's more broader, you know, challenge that、mm. we all all are facing. So yeah, very interesting to come back on self acceptance because <laughs> I know it's、uh, the 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 new topic that we can explore with you that you've been thinking a lot about. 
Maybe to start, how would you define the opposite of self-acceptance? Um, I would say it's criticism and judgmental voices, but not just to ourselves, to others and to surroundings. So there are three, l three components here and really feeling uncomfortable, anxious um, at the present. Mm. Mm. I would say that's the opposite of self-acceptance. So um, and then come to so then comes to self-acceptance, right? Um, it's actually more than just accepting who we are, but accepting people around us and accepting the surroundings, accepting mm. the environment, right? Um, and really comfortable and not comfortable, but at least not anxious, but um, not comfortable in a way like, oh, so comfortable, I'm not going to do anything, but more like, okay, accepting that's the reality, accepting that's the present. So how does it... Well, maybe why, did, why is it the topic that you are obsessed about these days? Yeah, so basically last year, I joined a six weeks program uh, oh. called positive intelligence so it's really starting to paying attention to pay attention to the judgmental voices in our head um, because I feel like I know they were there but I never bring them f in, in f like I never try to understand them or never try to pay attention to them or I never how to say really see those specific comments um, I, I just feel okay this person or this situation or where I am I'm, I'm just feeling bad um, right so maybe one example is that before that uh, program understanding myself judge like all these judgmental voices when I'm in a meeting and then I say something And then later on, I will regret. I feel so bad. Mm. I feel like, oh, I could have said something better. And then, like, for example, maybe 10 minutes after I finish the statement, and I feel like, oh, my God, why did I say that? I could have said something better or did I say something wrong? And then for the rest of the meeting, I was not able to focus because mm. I was so distracted by all these judgmental voices and um, trying to and feeling so bad. And uh, well, at well, well, And I guess the rest of the people in the meeting, they don't really care what I said. <laughs> It's only me who care what I said, mm -hmm. right? And then, or, or they don't know the comparison I had in my head. Like, maybe they already think what I said is pretty okay. And, um, mm -hmm. but then in my head, I feel like, oh my God, I have a perfect, even better answer for that. So then, and I started to judge myself for not being, for not, did, for not doing better. Then I sh I should have done, right? And so that's one judgmental voices, mm. right? And then judging others, it's also I mean it's very straightforward. I don't need to explain like you know judging other people. Why would they say that? Would they say this? But it's all very very connected, right? I feel like um, sometimes even though we're very very harsh to ourselves, but we still subconsciously judge others people as well and then judging surroundings like why this situation happened to me why things are not the best for my benefit right <clears throat> why am i why did i 
stuck here? Why am I stuck here? Why can't I do something else? Right. So all this, I think I was better at, you know, judging others and judging surroundings. But、mm. then my self-judging voices was really, really bad.、Um, so then, since that program, I started to pay attention to the judging voices in my head,、um, and then. It's really what.、Um, so, so, so in that program we have a coach, right?、Um, and then he say something that I always remember. He say that being aware and paying attention to all these voices is the first step,、um, because once we notice it, then we know, then we can deal with it, right?、Mm. Before we even notice it, we just let let it overwhelm us. Then we don't know how to deal with it. So knowing their presence is and being aware of it is definitely a very, very good step, right? So from that on, whenever I notice all these judgmental voices in my head, I will, I will.、Um, well, there there are some techniques.、Um, basically, that's the the point of the whole program,、mm-hmm. right?、Um, but in 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 simple way, it's more like instead of let it eat us up. Try to be curious about why do I have this thought, and does it really matter at this stage?、Um, and can I can I change anything? I can't change things happen in the past because whatever I said, whatever I did, is hap- it happened.、Mm. But can I ch- change what happened in the future? Can I focus more on the future? Right.、Um, so I guess what's really really. Helpful for self acceptance and re- and trying to lower the volume of judgmental voices in our head is really focusing on things that we can do in the future instead of you know trying to feel bad、mm-hmm. about things that we can't change in the past. So step one, identifying this judgmental voice. Step two, being curious, like asking ourselves. Why、mm. does it matter? It reminds me of a question from James Clear, who said, "Is it a fight worth winning?、Mm. No, is it worth it to,、yeah. to, to actually destroy yourself about something?" Yeah. And sometimes yes. Sometimes, as you mentioned, maybe no one cares, <laughs> right? So yeah. Step two: understanding. Yeah, like why? What is it? Mm. And third, action oriented. Like, okay, next time, what can I do、mm. not to suffer or not to have this judgmental voice? Right.、But、yeah, yeah. And the the technique I I mentioned, right?、Um, it's actually very very simple. So the moment that you notice the judgmental voices in your head, you just take a few deep breaths, and then、um, and it's it's very simple.、Um, So basically, just put your two fingers, your thumb, and your index finger together and rub it.、Uh. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes,、yeah, like Korean heart,、yeah. Korean heart. And you rub it for like、um, a minute or two minutes, and then you focus on this feeling instead of focus. So it's like distracting、mm. first, right? And then and basically makes you. Makes those voices to take a pause in your mind, so then your attention is not there, but your attention is somewhere else, and then you will be able to take a look at it from 
uh, like an outsider perspective, right? Because you're not in it. You try. Mm. You already made put your mind outside, and then so you can take a look back into what is going on in your mind. So just it, it's, it's like a one minute meditation. Yeah, yeah. To be exactly. mindful while yeah. other people might focus on their breath for one minute. This yeah adds this physical yes element. exactly. But it's interesting because. Um, I mean, the first thing in Poland is interesting because, okay, you, how to extract yourself from the moment. Because, I mean, for me, it's interesting, like, I guess, th- when you speak about this judgmental voice, I- is it always linked with a negative emotion? Yes. So, I think because I... All these judgmental voices are basically telling me that I'm not good enough, right? And um, that I didn't fulfill the expectations of myself. Mm. Um, and then sometimes, you know, all these judgmental voices is not about. It's not just about we compare our perfect self and our real self. It's also how we internalize what happened around us, and we. Judging ourselves, right? So, um, for example, I don't know. Mm, I need to think of a, a a good example. So, imagine some accident happened, right? And then it's supposed to be, let's say, someone who's not following the rules, or something happened unexpectedly, or something that we can't control. Right, some accident happened, but then we blame ourselves. Oh, why do I walk on the street on that day? Like I shouldn't have walked on the street on that day. Otherwise, this won't happen to me, right? So then we judge ourselves mm. because all these e- external factors, but it's not within our control. But because our judging mechanism, like that, is so because we've built our mental muscle for judging ourselves since we're young. Right, a lot of things that it keeps, you know, and then that judging mental muscle is very, very strong compared with accepting mm-hmm. mental muscle. Right, we never practice self acceptance for our mental muscle. Every whenever things happen, at least for me, the first instinct because I'm, that judging mental muscle is so strong, it always like jump in the first. And starting to you know internalizing and blame myself for being the sore reason for all the everything, right? So I think mm. so. Go back to so I I think we've I don't know I don't remember if we talked about it in the previous episode, <laughs> but I, maybe you will remember like the mental muscle, right? How we practice mm. um, the way that we think. It's very similar to our physical muscle, right? That's maybe connected to the another topic we want to talk about: martial arts mm. and exercise, right?、Um, but it's the same process. The more we practice self acceptance, the more it will become, you know, our、By、first、default. reaction. Yes,、mm. the default. It's interesting because、uh, I guess. Like a car accident, or 
But I think there's two things. Like, for, let, let's take the Zoom example. Like, oh, I should, I should, ha- I should have said something better, whatever. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, there are two things happening. One is you self-judge yourself because you said, "Oh my God, what I said was so, so, so shit." <laughs> and second is maybe you feel, you feel sad. You feel sad about it. Uh, then yeah. this uh, bad emotion eats you. Mm. It's interesting because uh, I mean the, the exercise you mentioned. It's something I used to do before. Uh, so we like. I mean, there's two names: one English name, one French name, whatever. But we call like a trigger log. Uh, Anne Laure, who told me about it, is basically we would meet every Wednesday, have a ten-minute chat, twenty-minute chat. 10 minutes each and we'll come with uh, our trigger log for the week which is okay step one tell us tell me about a recent emotion that you felt negative or positive second tell me why you had this emotion and third tell me how you can either repeat this positive emotion in the future or prevent this negative emotion in the future like what can you do uh, and I feel like in this case it's similar but focused on negative emotion and that the first part before the negative emotion is actually the self judgment uh, the self judgment uh, self the judge ah the self criticism yeah, yeah, that yeah, we yeah. have which create this negative emotion yeah yeah so yeah. it's like one step before Mm. So I found it interesting. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think it's also part of the why that we have this, right? Mm. Because then digging deeper into that, it's all the the judging voices we have in our mind. Um, and then, but like, l- l- is that in the case of Zoom, um, because there's two s- if you look at step three what can you do to make it better there's two things right either you shut up this self-judgmental voice either you can say something better next time yeah right yeah yeah, yeah. but what is uh, who, how do you decide what to work on or how or also how because I guess this self criticism voice also comes from I guess it can be positive sometimes you know because it pushes you to always improve always grow yeah so where do you see the limit yeah oh that's a very very good question and um, I think so yes uh, once I notice the, the voice judgmental voices I can choose how I should react, right? And uh, and I think one thing that I really like from a yoga practitioner that I, I just her sentence, uh, her sentence. So she say that we can never silence our mind, but we can let go of those that don't serve us, that lo- no longer serve us, right? So then um, it's important to remind ourselves what's the purpose for me, what I'm doing right now, right? Um, am I achieving the purpose? And maybe the things I'm focusing on is just like one word differences. 
doesn't really matter. And then that's not my purpose, right? It's nothing to do with my purpose. And um, and then obviously I can focus on something better next time, right? And and I think you brought up a really really good question. I've been asking myself the same question as well. Like if I'm accepting where I am right now, does that make me feel too content, too comfortable, and I don't want to try harder next time, right? So I guess different people has different style. And uh, for those of you who are like me, who feel bad of, um, you know, who does... So for me, I notice that if I want to perform better, if I want to be better, I don't... I can't... I, I, I need encouraging messages. So if... So let's say if someone say that, oh, okay, I, I sure you, I'm sure you can do it, like, because you are great, then I will do it and I'll be great. That's, that's my style. And, and also there are people who just feel uncomfortable of, you know, why are you saying I'm great? I haven't even done it. Just say I'm horrible so that I can prove it to you that I'm doing great, right? So maybe there are people like that, but that's not who I am, right? So I think it comes down to more self-understanding, knowing what works better for myself. And what I notice that if I just having all these judgmental voices linger in my head, I can't focus on something else. I would just keep having those voices loop in my brain. And if I want to just release myself from those voices and focus on the actions, then I have to find a way to do that. And my way of doing that is self-acceptance, right? And I think self-acceptance and taking actions are two different things. We can be happy at where we are, but knowing that we can be better next time. So that's like... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so I think it's a two-step, right? <laughs> yeah, so I think it's two-step. So I think... It's two steps. It's not the same thing. Step one, either you s- accept where you are and um, and then focus on how you can be better in the future or you don't accept where you are and then you just criticize yourself or feel like you could have been better and then you focus and then you you try to get where you feel like you should have been, Right. So for me, I want to choose the self-acceptance and focus on what I can do in the future, right? Um, and then, so, so that's how I differentiate it. So self-acceptance doesn't mean that I should choose to just be lazy and not doing anything and be content with everything. I, I still can have a better vision of how my future would be like. It's just like, Noticing that I can't change my mm. past, but I can do something for the future, right? Um, so, basically, maybe maybe a quick story of 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 this. Uh, apart from the Zoom meeting and um, you know, like um, externalize like internalizing the the things that happened to me. So, basically, I gained so much weight last year 
and it was like eight kilograms. But I, w- I but I feel like I was okay. I was like uh, healthy and and stuff. But actually, yeah, I, actually it was not. Um, so then. Fast forward, I, I went back home, and then my parents were saying that, "Oh my God, you're so fat! <laughs> what happened to you? Can you lose some weight? It's not we we still love you, but you're too fat." <laughs> and then and then I'm just like, "Oh my God, I'm so!" F-. And 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 then like they forced me to see the reality. I thought like I'm okay. I'm just like. I'm eating. I didn't do a lot of exercise because of lockdown. I didn't see a lot of friends. Um, because for me, I'm such an ex- extrovert, right? If I see people, I feel happier. I don't need to eat to release dopamine, you know, to supplement the you know the happy chemical in my brain. So, so I, I actually ate a lot without noticing it. Um, and then my parents asked me, tell me the truth, and then. Obviously, at that point, I can feel like, oh my god, I'm so fat. I don't want to do anything about it, um, and I feel so bad. Why did I do? Why did I do this to myself, right? But then, I, I'm just gonna accept. Okay, I'm, I gained a lot of weight, and I was not happy before, and um, but now I can do something to change it. So I started to do more exercise. I force my not force. I, I really love exercise. <laughs> And I'm just like doing a lot more exercise and be more active, and and then I gave myself different principles. Like you know, I have to walk a certain time of the day, and uh, I like like certain principles. Like if I um, if I can get to somewhere within like thirty minutes of walk, I'm not. Going to allow myself to take any transportations. I'm just gonna walk if it's not rush. So yeah, I think uh, now I'm. I feel like I've changed a lot of my 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 diet, my my uh, my exercise routines, and everything. I'm more active and I'm happier. Your first principle: How how much time do you want to walk a day? How many steps do you know? Um, oh, yeah. I think it, it's it. Mm, there's no like a a certain minimum. So when I just came back to Bangkok, I walked around. So from he- where I live to supermarket and come back. So that's around like uh three four kilometers in total, like back and forth. Mm-hmm. And then, um, but now I walk less because I found my exercise routines, uh, like do Muay Thai, and I started mm. uh, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Super, super happy. So now I exercise, averagely um, four or five times a week, and I think that's pretty okay, regular yeah. <laughs> amount of exercise. Okay, yeah, that's a perfect transition. <laughs> uh, maybe just to close the chapter of self acceptance. Um, Okay, I think something super interesting. I think so. Yeah, you mentioned self acceptance and taking action is not the same thing. First, self acceptance, and then it's an option, right? Is it something I care about? Then take action. Is it something useless? 
I mean, not useless, but like that. Either I cannot change, either uh, I don't want to improve or whatever. Uh, well, let it be, and I self-accept it. And I feel like the second action is also like you, right? Like like people who care about improvement, and maybe it's another mental muscle that you also need to develop after you re- you self-accept. It's another default action of your brain is thinking okay how do I improve it from now on so I feel like it's interesting it's two different things uh, so yeah everyone can also learn how to self-accept but not necessarily yeah yeah so just yeah. one more point or the benefit of self-acceptance is that then I can really focus on external environment so I don't have to de- you know like if I just let the judgmental voices um, like haunt my brain then I have less energy to focus on other like external environment mm. so I think that's also really really helpful um, when I focus on external things yeah yeah, mm. yeah. that's cool any so like self-acceptance do you so I guess it's something you try to apply all the time is there anything else that you try to do a bit every day or regularly to to enhance your self-acceptance muscle Mm, I think so basically the you know the um, the mini meditation Mm. that you said you know the rubbing the fingers and you know breathe and walk all these kind of things are um, you know like something that we can do it doesn't have to we don't have to allocate a chunk of time we can just um, you know practice it just two minutes per day like we can wake up um, doing this quick practice mm. of like two minutes focus on the presence and then then you know when the situation comes up you know that it's already our habit that we can you know quickly turn it on um, to to you know f- be aware of it, but it's actually exactly like BJJ. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just for the background, I mean, Link, I will say more. But for me, how I see BJJ is a bit similar to Krav Maga. So I've done Krav Maga before. As basically, you are put in so Brazilian 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 Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> So you are put into sit- dangerous situations. Uh, you are by pair and maybe you are on the floor. Someone is on you trying to choke you. Or maybe uh, you are on a wall. There's one enemy trying to choke you or hurt you or whatever situation that might happen in, in right. real life. Right. And then the teacher will tell you, okay, do this. I mean, do these 10 steps and which will get you out of the situation. And for me, how I understand it is you practice practice these 10 steps or whatever position until it becomes natural, until if one day, unfortunately, you are faced with a situation in real life, your body knows exactly and automatically how to react and put you in a safe space. Um, yeah, so BJJ. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, and... Uh, also, just want to, for everyone's information, Ding Long tried uh, BJJ when he came to Bangkok this week. I'm super happy and proud of 
him. Uh, <laughs> and it's exactly what he said.、Uh, it's all about building muscle memory. So then, when we are in、um, challenging situations. We know our body knows how to react, so we don't have to, you know, like try to activate or try to analyze, like spending a lot, because our brain will be occupied by a、mm. lot of like fears,、um, all these emotions, not knowing what to do, right? But then my body remember what we can do already, so it's just really about building that muscle memory and then activate it when we are in danger, dangerous situations. And.、Um How long have you done BJJ?、Uh, since December last year. So basically,、um, I've talked about Muay Thai, right, in the、mm. introduction, and Muay I've been doing Muay Thai for four years. And for me, it's still something that I can I'm keep improving every time I do. But then I also want to try something different, and I've been. I tried BJJ two or three years ago,、uh, thanks to a very amazing friend.、Uh, but then I didn't manage to really build a routine for it because where I live before is very very far. And、um, you know, if if you if you read、um, James Clear's book Atomic Habit,、uh, which is an amazing book,、um, it's like you want to make sure that. When you build a routines and habits, it has really, really low barriers for you to pick up, right? Like you want to remove all the obstacles, so then it's very easy for you to do it. So I think、um, not having a gym next to where I live, it was a big obstacle for me to build a routine. But thanks for thankfully last year I found a gym next to where I live. I can just walk because it's within my like walking distance、mm. principle around like. Two point four kilometers,、uh, so I can walk there within like twenty eight minutes.、Uh, <laughs> very precise, <laughs> and、um, so yeah, that's how I built my. I started BJJ. I just got my first stripe、Yay. when Dinglo was here. It's very very excited, and、um, and I remember the first few weeks. I was so. Clueless. I'm sure you have the same feeling when you're in your first class, right? It's like trying to understand my God, what's going on.、Uh, the trainer is amazing, trying to make sure everything is clear. But then, because our body, we're not used to use some part of our muscle, right? For them, it's like, oh, what's going on? Why are you act- suddenly use this part of our muscle right now? So we're trying to adjust to that. So I remember the first few weeks, I was also feeling like. Why am I doing this? I feel like I want to go back to Muay Thai class and become, you know, because that was my comfort zone, and I can easily just, you know,、um, do it, and you know, and and then I f- also f- feel good about it because、um, I've practiced this for so long. And then trainer also recognized my techniques and stuff, but then in BJJ, I just feel like in the beginning it was very very hard, and I feel a, l- a lot of new things. I feel bad that I couldn't. Understand things immediately, right? I have that expectation, so that com- comes back to the judgmental and self-acceptance voices. I feel like, oh my god, why can't be like, why can't I be like other classmates who immediately get what the coach want、uh, explain immediately, or why can't I just perform it or practice it?、Um, and and right, and gain recognitions from people around us. So I had that thought in my head in the first few classes, and and also. I I'm also managed to remove like distract myself from that and just focus on the practice. So now I feel like I'm more more confident. I'm um and 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 I really really love it. 
and uh, and for me, Muay Thai and BJJ are very very two different kinds of martial art. One focus on speed and power, uh, and then the other focus on leveraging our body to um, to create damage or to control the situation, mm. right? So it's a very very different kind of uh, martial arts, but both are really really empowering. Could you elaborate a bit more on that? Like what? Like <laughs> no, no, but you know, like I think there's one million reasons why uh, people start doing martial arts. Some people is to feel safer at night, for example, when they come back home. Some people is physical exercise. Some people is health and well-being. Um, yeah, maybe just to understand because I think for you, it's not only physical health it's also part of your identity yeah and then speaking with you all the time i see that it's much more you know it's 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 really part of who you are so Mm. i just wonder like yeah when you say it's empowering in which sense Uh, yeah i have more questions after (laughs) yeah 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 definitely so i think um first of all um there were just there's so many good things about martial arts i don't know where to start but one thing so one of the um initial motivation that i started muay thai was really not something inspiring and philosophical just because oh i moved to thailand and there's no (laughs) better martial art you know like what is better than muay thai to learn in, in thailand right but then but why martial art initially why martial arts um because i um, i think i'm a very active person i I like try different things and and i want some want these things to be useful Mm. like i can do i have a lot of energy to spend on like working out and that kind of stuff but then that's you know that has less benefits than Mm. martial art like my i'm healthier but then with martial art i'm healthier but at the same time i'm learning something new um, that's another reason why I like swimming because I feel like it's also a very useful thing. Yeah. It's healthier and it's also useful. I guess there's two reasons. Um, and then, so, 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 but then there are so m- many benefits I've learned afterwards. I, I, so, so the first thing is that I really like my Muay Thai master um, because he doesn't just teach techniques, he also teach philosophy um way of living right so that's the third benefit it's useful it's uh, healthy it's also you know learning about philosophy of all these martial arts right so basically what happened is that in the class in the muay thai class we're not just we're not just learning how to punch we're not just learning how to punch faster and stronger we need to learn how to move with a rhythm so because if we you know if we're rushing into things and always like you know this kind of um rhythm we're actually not in control of the situation we're actually rushing to to we thought that we are going to take the enemy down but we're actually not in control we're actually become the anxious and um the part you know like like we need to learn how to breathe in in our muay thai class so that's the first thing and we have to learn how to take control and you know 
what he he's he's a, has a very very good point. Everyone can learn how to punch faster, but no, everyone can control ourselves to slow down, right?、Um, because everyone come to the multi class on to like just punch faster and, and stronger and like more powerful. But then it's the other way around that is more difficult, and、um, and yeah, yeah, it's no, I found it interesting. I think, I mean, it's a good metaphor for life. First,、mm, you know, slowing、right. down. And、it's interesting how it, you know, what I mean. For me, it's always I love the topic of what you learn in sports that you can transfer into your real life. So I love this. And the second is also purely fighting, speaking, fight speaking. But if you happen to be in a fight, it's very important to slow down in order to to have a clear mind. Yeah, clear mind and clear understanding of what's going on. Yes. Rather than you know being like super heartbeat, be super pumped,、yeah. and, and you know just not really thinking about what's、mm. going on. Exactly, exactly. And then、uh, the next point is really so. So one first one is、um, slow down, take control, find the rhythm. The second one is that you know we're not just learning how to punch; we also need to learn how to be punched. Mm. Um, that's、uh, my favorite part, <laughs> because、um, there are two two reasons. So,、um, first is that once you know how it feels like to be punched, right?、Um, then you can choose either you can't take it, then you have to run away, you have to dodge it, or you know that your body is capable of handling some pain. Because you know, if you take a step back to avoid the punch. And then you want if you want to attack back, you have to take another step to to punch, right? So, but if you stand where you are, and then you know that your body is capable to take the heat, it's actually faster for you to fight back,、um, right? Because you don't have to go back to where you are and then attack back. So basically, there are two reasons. One is that you then you are acutely aware of how much how. Your body can take the heat, right? And then, because I feel like the true confidence comes from that, knowing exactly the limit and capacity of your body, and that also applies to our life as well. Like it's also related to not just our body, our our physical muscles, but also our mental muscle. Knowing exactly where's the boundaries, capacity, and limit of our mental muscles, right? And then that's where we are comfortable and confident. Of knowing what we can do and what we can't do,、um, so that's the second reason I really love about martial art. I think the third reason is、um, the martial art is really about、um, observance,、uh, observing surroundings, right? Like a lot of movements and techniques、uh, from Muay Thai are actually from animals. How animals. Live and deal with their situations, and a lot of、um, BJJ techniques are observance、um, observations from street real street fights, right? How people get away or how people deal with those like real street fights. So it's really about learning things from observations, right? And also,、um, there's a. I, I also really want to share one thing I learned about. 
from I learned from indigenous culture. Um, so there are two amazing books about indigenous culture. Uh, it's not a, really about martial arts, but I just remember it. So one is called Sand Talk. The other one is called The Braiding Sweet Grass. Right? It's all really about paying true respect to your surroundings, either as nature or people you are interacting with. Right? So in the indigenous culture, if you are, you know, if you're fighting someone, if you're punishing someone. You have to receive the same punches and same heat, um, because then you will have like true empathy of what your enemy is going through, mm. right? Um, so I think it's also the same. Like in Muay Thai practice, in BJJ practice, we all need to learn how to be punched, how to be choked, right? Um, in first uh, Ding Long's class. <laughs> So the way that we we practice is like there's a good guy, there's a bad guy. So we need to take turns uh, to be good guy to you know um, to practice the techniques. But we also need to be take turns to be bad guys to be to be like um, you know chalked, right? So we all need to learn what does it feel like to be someone who being attacked by us, right? So for me, that's also really about. Empathy as well. It's not just about we want to unleash everything to the person that you know um, that in front of us, but it's also knowing how this person will feel like. Um, yeah. So altogether, I guess three reasons. You know, have um, calm mind, control, and have true confidence, knowing what we can do, and also have empathy. And what one. Also, another thing that I really liked on BJJ is the train the trainer approach. Although <laughs> <laughs> it's really that um, you are in pair. I was in pair or in, in try like three people. And it's very interesting because I mean, since you always alternate who is a good guy, who is a bad guy, right? And you always explain. I mean, I think there is this first peer-to-peer feedback between people of the same level who tell you should you could have done this better and better and better and better and then also this from more experience to beginner like people tell you try to explain you every step again and i think it's very interesting um i don't think i mean maybe it's, it's every martial art but i haven't seen i haven't heard about it a lot right yeah and i think that reminds me of um another point i really like about martial art actually two more points <laughs> talk about it the more it comes back um so one one is uh this community vibe like you are part of this community you know muay thai or bjj i feel like wherever every corner in the world wherever i travel i can just go into any muay thai gym and say oh i am from i do muay thai for a couple of years and you know i would feel like i i will find my community immediately same with uh bjj as well even though i'm still learning um I'm getting there, um, and so the community vibe, and um, and then the second thing is that I feel like in this kind of martial art, maybe because we are not doing it for competition, right? We're doing it for our our health um, and and stuff. So there's no, isn't there's no competitions? There's no winners. Everyone can be amazing at the same time. Like I don't have to be better than. As everyone else I can be as amazing as everyone else right um, that's another reason I really love it um, and then 
the third reason, <laughs> um, oh, so in my head, uh, <laughs> right? The third third reason is exactly. Your point of you know things that we learn in martial art can apply to our life, and also, in addition to that, all our bodies are doing is giving a signal to our mind, right? Like, I w- I'm able to do this today.、Um, you know, I I'm able to 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 overcome like my tiredness, or I'm able to overcome my stress of you know like in the class and stuff. But then I I. I managed to to survive the class, so there's nothing that every time I finish a class, I feel like I'm so de- undefeatable.、Uh, that kind of feeling is really, really, that kind of rewarding feeling is really, really amazing. Because maybe there are some things that we're frustrated in our lives, and something that we feel like it's not in our control. But going to martial art and having this community. Environment and knowing that you know we are capable, that gives a lot of positive message to our brain that maybe somewhere else that we can't find. So and that's going to whether or not going to a martial art class is definitely within our control, right?、Um, so that's like another、um, things that keeps me going back to the class. What is your personal goal in BJJ and Muay Thai?、Uh, I would say my personal goal is to letting more people know that this these are amazing things that they can choose to do in their lives.、Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of like personal performance and those kind of things, I'm I don't have like very specific goals. I'm just I'm doing it. For the four reasons that we just four reasons that we just mentioned, right? It's it's health. It's um. It's what else? <laughs> it's slowing down. Slowing down. It's philosophical community. community. Yeah, taking <laughs> confidence. <laughs> yeah,、you、and four randomly. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Interesting. So it's really not about the performance.、Uh, it's interesting. Yeah. It, it could have been, you know. I mean, I want to be black belt or whatever, right? It could have been. Oh.、That. Yeah. I that could be one, but I don't. Ha- it's not as important as all the other benefits, and I think. It's also about you know the the leadership level we've been talking about,、mm. right? It's going beyond an awesome individuals, but then you know how can I communicate all these positive benefits of martial arts to more people, so they know that they have this choice that they can do in their life. Are you going to write about it? Write about it.、Um, yeah, that's a very good point. I'm not a hundred percent sure. But oh, oh! <laughs> <laughs> I would say I will communicate about it.、Mm. Um, whether or not it's、um, a written format, it doesn't matter. The fact that I'm talking about it right、mm. now, it's you know that I'm communicating it. 
Okay, so it's part of your, it's one of your advocacies. Yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah, interesting. Uh, it makes me think of Yama. <laughs> no, no, it's what he tries to do, right? With uh, yeah, sensei yeah. bringing boxing into companies uh, as a team building activity, as a hook, but for all the benefits that you have mentioned for the long term. Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. That's why I keep inviting people around <laughs> me to join me to martial <laughs> art classes. So if anyone comes to Bangkok <laughs> to visit Linka, you have to do one Muay Thai, one PJ. So you need to come at least three days. <laughs> to the finish time. the class. Yeah. To try all the classes. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, uh, yeah anything else to, to share about PJJ Muay Thai that we haven't addressed? I think it comes back to in the beginning I share about why they're part of my identity as you rightly mentioned it's my advocacy it's also something that um, I want people to remember about me and and I'm not I'm not, I'm, I'm not um, a, a, like a super high level I'm not a, a black belt in BJJ or I'm not like a level 10 or like a super uh, professional fighter in Muay Thai right but for me I still feel like this is who I am I don't have to get to that level to feel mm -hmm. like okay then I can talk about it I can share about it um, so I think that's also not it's also like as I mentioned right it's not a competition so you don't have to be the best all the time you can just right like everyone can be as awesome so um So yeah, so it c comes back to my identity, right? Um, and another point about identity is really something that makes you feel you have a sense of belonging. And and I feel like martial arts, Muay Thai, BJJ, they are something that I feel like I have a sense of belonging. Mm. It's super interesting to dive deeper into because for me, one of the... the overall topic of this third episode is really how you grow uh, it's a question I wrote in my in my notes like how do you grow um, and I'm happy because I didn't ask it but it's more like it just came naturally um, and I think another thing I really want to speak about which is another another way for you to grow it's books and you've Mention a few books already, like uh, every time. <laughs> yeah. But maybe just to start with one. Oh no, okay, no, I'll, I'll let you choose. But is there? I don't know. I mean, it's, you know, this is traditional question. But you know, two, three books that you know you meet any mover. Okay, there's there's one mover. Any like whoever <laughs> a yeah, mover who yeah. comes next week to Bangkok. And you want to gift him or her three books. Oh. Which one would you give him or her? Well, if it's movers community, community I would definitely start with grit. Because we talk about it mm. in our leadership module level two. <laughs> and, um, and then one of my all-time favorite book is um, The Courage to be Disliked. You know, really trying to understand 
why we do and say things in a certain way? Is it because we feel like we're um, we're going to disappoint other people?、Uh, and then the third book is、um, well, I would say the third book is Atomic Habits because that's really a very action-driven book. And I feel like people in the movers community l- love taking actions, right?、Um, and then they are also having a lot of like maybe some questions.、Uh, like I feel like people in the movers community are generally interested in the topic of like how can we take more actions. So Atomic Books is definitely a very amazing book for that. Atomic habits. Yes. So <laughs> Atomic Books. <laughs> oh, atomic Books. Atomic Habits. <laughs> yeah. These three books,、mm, cool. but then like with different people, I have like different list of recommendations for sure. Okay, I will ask.、Uh, <laughs> but no, but like these three books, great atomic habits, the courage to be disliked. How did you incorporate them into your daily life?、Um, I think grit is really for me to understand、um, if I want to achieve. I have like、um, how do I. Operationalize it, right? Like I have a goal. I feel like I'm interested in doing something, but then most of the time, you know, we see where we are, and then we see a goal that we want to be, but then we don't know how to get there, right? Like so, for for me, grit is really a guiding book. How do I operationalize、mm. it? I mean, same with Atomic Habits, right? Like how do I operationalize、um, a goal, but not in terms of like. Achievement, but more in terms of like something that I want to do in my daily life. How do I spend my daily life more effective?、Uh, and then the courage to be disliked is really about、um, focusing on,、um, you know, like more l- one layer deeper of why am I not doing something? Is it because of the fear of if I do it, then my bubble will burst? Right, so one part of the courage to be disliked is that sometimes we picture the future too perfect, and then it's kind of stop us from taking further actions because we feel like what we will, what we do, will destroy the perfect bubble of our vision. Right,、um, so then, am I not taking actions because I feel like then my imaginary scenario will be、mm. destroyed by my reality? Right,、um, so that's like f- all these three books are really comes down to our actions.、Mm. I haven't read <laughs> any of them yet, <laughs> but I, I really like Atomic Habits because, like, I, I, I read the newsletter、mm. and I follow him on Instagram, so like it's always extract. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I speak about it. With you and 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 and, and people,、mm. I think one me one, for me one me one me for me one takeaway <laughs> of atomic habit is really yeah I think the it's when I understood because I for some reason I've always since I've been in India I've always told people if you want to scale you need to be process oriented、mm. and it's what we try to do with movers right to right. be process oriented. The thing is, <laughs> I actually realized I didn't know what process-oriented meant until I, I I read. I mean, I, I read some extract of Atomic Habits because he says, 
don't focus on your goal, but focus on no. the steps or the process you need to put in place to right. get there. Uh, and I really like it. Like just just concrete example, for example, uh, learning a language, telling yourself, I want to be fluent in one year. It's a nice objective, but most of the time it doesn't work. What works is Correct. every day right. I will... Listen to a five-minute video, read one article, and just keep repeating this action every day. And it's what you mentioned, right? And to, to in order to do this action and make sure it sticks, how can you lower the barrier? So find a gym close to your house. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, it's really cool books uh, for people. Mm. Yeah, 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 I think uh, it's perfect explanations of uh, atomic habits. So, <laughs> and I haven't read it. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> I will read it. I will read it. Um, any, any, any book that also impacted you, but it has nothing to do with person. It's not a personal development book. Oh yeah, yeah. I have three books. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So it's uh it's it's not the books I would just jump right in and recommend to people. It's all these three books are actually very very um I wouldn't say positive, but it gives like a very real outlook of what's happening to the world. And um yeah, it's uninhabitable earth is the shock doctrines. It's uh this changes everything. So all these three books are all about either pure so uninhabitable earth. It's about you know different um, perspective of the future related to climate change. Right, this changes everything. Is about capitalism and climate change, and the shock doctrines. It's um, well, it's about how. Extreme capitalism and privatization is creating damages to the world. For me, those three books um, is not really about personal development, but it really is about help me understand the world where we are, why things are like this. In this way, I, I don't want to go deeper into these <laughs> three books. It's very, very. A lot of them are very, very. Sad, um, but then I think it's something that you know when if I met someone who is we're having like more in depth like geopolitical or like um, all this like international relations this kind of like discussion this kind of discussion then I will bring up these three books um, and then I would say that there are also a lot of like really amazing books that help me understand this world better. Um, so, for example, um, the books about indigenous people, the books about um, the it's called the cultural coach. Um, it's also it talks about community. It talks about the sense of belonging, and then the book about uh, range that uh, actually thanks to Ding Long, I know about this book. It's about like generalist versus specialist, and uh, another book. You know, thanks. For your feedback, really help us help me to understand the way of communications. And then another, also a very very amazing book um, by Chris Voss. Uh, you know, never split the difference. It's also about like um, active listening. Um, you know, um, how do you use deep listening to negotiate 
right? Um, well, there are just like tons of books uh, that I really enjoy reading. And wh- why I love reading is that I just for some one day I just have this tremendous gratitude to all this author, right? They spent their whole life trying to understand one big issues, but they're so generous. They're sharing sharing it with people right and then if i want to dig deeper in each of these issues i have to spend like if i read 30 books i have to spend 30 lives to understand all these issues but they are so generous that they share things that they've learned they've observed with us or just for me i have this very very deep gratitude to the authors um yeah uh yes (laughs) <laughs> I don't know you didn't ask why do I love books but okay that's yeah I mean yeah I, have, I mean uh, why do you love books but also because you also have a book number of uh, object like number of book objective right yeah every year yeah yeah um actually so what happened was the first year I marked 25 books but I read 27 so then the second year I marked 35 books i read 35 books the third year i marked 30 but i read only 27 right because in the in the first year i just read a lot of books um and then some of them are very very short right um the the one that you gave me make your bed um it's like a one day read kind of things and then so i finished two books more than the goal and then the second year because you know it was covid i was trying to um, I was trying to squeeze as much time as I can for the books. And I remember on December 31st, 2020, I still have one book go missing. So instead of like spending time with friends and enjoying the New Year celebration, I started trying to finish the book because I really want to achieve the goal, right? So then I was thinking, but why do I... does? the goal really matter to me or does like spending time really be present with my friends matter to me because we're in the same room like um and then she was like browsing her her phone because i don't want i say i don't want to talk to you i want to just go finish my book because it's important to me um but yeah i just feel bad afterwards and then last year i only finished 27 books but then my goal was 30 but i'm pretty happy about it i accept that you know i for me i didn't criticize myself like oh i said 30 but i didn't didn't do it I only finished at 27 because i know the book i chose to read i know i'm really happy with the things i've learned i can also push myself to finish three more books but does that really what i want and what i need and does that number really matter to me or does it or is it more just for me to tell people that i finished 30 books so i accept that i couldn't finish 20 30 books i can only do 27 that's totally okay and this year i set my goal to 27 so let's see (laughs) why do you set up uh, a target uh okay so i think there are multiple benefits right because when i have so i I try to observe my pattern whenever i have free time and before reading books it was like going to my phone and wander on different platform aimlessly and everything right but now 
I with the goal, then I can remind myself. Oh, I have this goal. Um, I shouldn't. I should put down my phone. I should just read books. So it helps. Um, and then the reason why I do like the you know not digital copy but real book um, is because I don't trust myself when it comes to reading on my phone because I get. I will get distracted in different platform. So, and then if I have my book, then I can put down, put my phone away, and then focus on reading. Mm. And even with Kindle, right? With Kindle, because I'm a person who like to explore things. So sometimes I, I finish a few pages, and I was just like, okay, let me see what else in the bookstore. <laughs> and then I got distracted again. Uh, so yeah, so I'm very happy and content with my with the hard copy. Uh, yeah. What else about book? Maybe question on on your reading process. So, like, do you read it? Do Do you read a book in a special way? Do you take notes? Like, how how do you read a book? And then when it's done, do you do anything to to maybe retain the knowledge? And then maybe do you have a tracker to track all the books you have read? Like, what what's happening? Like yeah what, what yeah, what do you do? And maybe also on the process. Yeah. Like for example, for principles, you you created this mind map. So I just wonder if it's something you try to do more or yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. From the mind map, I really love that book. So I feel like okay, I want to extract all the essence from that book. Um, it was really really enjoyable process. Um, and then uh, with. All the b- recent book I'm reading right now, uh, first of all, I don't. I don't track them. Apart from like just f- whenever I finish, I put like read read on all my good reads. Um, secondly, I don't take notes, uh, but there's like good sentences. I will uh, mark it, like like good quote. I will mark it. Um, and there there will mark it like uh... in my notebook. Like okay. I will, I will like extract a sentence. You have a notebook only with quotes from books. Not just with quotes, but quotes and thoughts, like some okay. random things. I I put I enjoy putting them down. But then for me, you know, a lot of people ask me. Oh, first of all, I don't have time. Secondly, I won't remember everything I read. And then, um, so like when they ask me and how, and or, or or like oh, I can't finish the book I started, right? So I had the challenges before. So basically what I noticed that if I complicate the task of reading, then I'm demotivated to read, right? If I feel like, oh, reading is such a sacred thing, I have to track it, I have to memorize it, I have to like consolidate all the knowledge, then I'm making things more complicated. I'm enjoying reading just because, you know, it's something that I can just like communicate with the author. It doesn't mean that I have to present something. So reading is as an inputting exercise, right? It doesn't mean that I have to present something. So that's the first one. I don't overcomplicate reading. Secondly, uh, oh, I won't remember everything I read. So what's the purpose of reading? Then my argument is that then we don't really grow rice in our body, then why do we eat rice, right? So reading is a very... <laughs> reading is a very... <laughs> right? Like, uh, when we eat 
vegetable we don't grow vegetable on our body when we um like we can't like for example if i eat broccoli I, my face won't turn green right so why do i eat broccoli so for me like read, <laughs> reading and eating is the same thing if we are so anxious about everything that we're putting in our body doesn't stay then we will stop putting things in our body and same with our mind right so for me it's like when we eat a lot of broccolis even though our body won't turn green but we will be healthier same with the books even though maybe we don't remember exactly what says who says what but then those kind of things that those impact and influence the author is trying to get to our brain it will it impact us subconsciously we just even though we can't say it we don't know it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist and doesn't mean that we should stop ourselves from reading because of that and then the last point is that oh i don't have time to read so then goes back to the atomic habits right um you know trying to pay attention to what are the barriers for us for us when we are reading right um and then lower that barrier for me it's really i'm very frustrated if i use like traditional bookmark uh and then because a bookmark just mark the page and it's not just one page because you put it in you put it in between two pages right so then the next time i went to open the book i'm like uh okay so which part is it like i stop so now i don't use bookmark um not the traditional bookmark i use pin you know the i don't know how to call it but the pin the exact line where i stop right so i can pick it up immediately and that's such a amazing hack for me to read more books so then i don't feel like oh maybe sometimes i only have five minutes by the time i'm trying to remember where did i left from the last book i've already finished i don't have more time to read the new things but with the pin then i can easily continue even with five minutes and i can continue right and then i think there's one last point like it's really really hard to finish the book that we started for me i also got frustrated and i oh that also connect to the judgmental voices right sometimes in the beginning i can't finish the book i've started i blame myself like oh my god it's because i'm lazy i'm not disciplined enough or i'm not smart enough to finish the book but actually no don't blame ourselves blame the author blame the book if we can't fin- focus on finishing it it's not our fault it's the book maybe it's not our you know maybe it's not presented well maybe it's um the author is just very bad at explaining something right or maybe it's just something that doesn't speak to our values so don't blame ourselves and then you know and then shut ourselves down and not want to read more books right instead of just accept like okay it's not me it's just this book doesn't suit me right and then find another book because there are tons of book uh in the market that we can always find the books that we can finish reading enjoy it and have a lot of like fulfillment afterwards right so then my last tip is that very connected to the atomic habits again right you need to have this um uh some small wings for you to emphasize okay i'm able to do it and i am i can do more right so whenever i feel like oh my god i don't want to read books recently then i start with a very very short um like very very 
thin books, right? But it still counts as one book. And then I finish and I feel good. I feel like, oh, actually, I am capable to finish a book. It's not like I can't or um, or I don't have time. I can do that, right? So that gives me a lot more confidence to continue to read more books. So yeah, those are just... Um, I guess you can see I'm very passionate about like finding time and reading books and stuff. Uh, yeah, those are my hacks. Cool. <laughs> No, it's interesting. I think in first year on the argument, I think my, what, what I like to think is um, you will remember what you, I mean, you will remember what you need to remember. If there is something that life-changing or whatever, you will, you, you will naturally remember it. And you cannot remember everything anyway. Even Bill Gates cannot do that. Um And second, yeah, I think we all, it's, yeah, it's uh, good to find our personal hacks. Uh, And yeah, so I think, uh, yeah, it can be the pin, it can be like whatever, reading a small book. Uh, Yeah, it's good, good, I think, because it's, it's it's important. I think the things that you said, so many people say that I don't have time. Me too, I lose so much. I reread each paragraph. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I re- <laughs> always reread at least two paragraphs, but I think it's important. And in the end, I think it ultimately like comes back to self-acceptance. Like also, if you don't, if people consider that they don't read enough books, okay, is it a fight worth winning or not for them? Maybe not. You know, me, I, I made peace with that a long time ago. <laughs> I don't read <laughs> a lot and I'm fine with it. Mm, uh, mm, mm. Right. I still keep buying books. <laughs> That's a <laughs> <the> problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. Um, cool. I think we had a good, good walk through a bit, yeah, your self-improvement, hacks, routine, uh, how you improve your relationship with your parents, Muay Thai books how it reflects into your daily life anything else that you do to self-improve um, so I self-improve I guess I have um, in the past I, I don't do it proactively anymore but i still have that in the back of my mind um so so i have like three daily questions for myself right um it's also is is so what do i like about myself today it's like giving myself recognition so i don't have to just rely on like looking for a sign and signal of like approval from other people and um what do i learn more about this world today right so for me with these guiding questions and i feel like okay so did i learn about did i really spend time to understand the world it doesn't have to be like complicated big issues but it can be like as small as what happened in the local community right so what i what did i learn about this world today and then the last one is like what do i feel grateful of today so i think for me these three questions um, before I I write them down every day. Now I don't do it, but it's more like a reminder for myself of remember to love myself, remember to learn more about this world, remember to feel 
um, grateful. Cool. So yeah, question back at everyone. Are you, uh, <laughs> what have you learned today? <laughs> what are you grateful for today? And what did you like about yourself today? Uh, so yeah, I think it's perfect ending uh, for this episode. Thank you so much, Linka. Thank you, Ding Long. So happy that <laughs> we are doing this in person. Yes. <laughs> Now it's na it's time to drink water, <laughs> go for lunch. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much, Linka. As usual, people can reach out to you anywhere. You are everywhere, but on Goodreads. It's a shortcut. <laughs> They want to speak with Linka. Uh, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you so much. Really enjoy the conversation. I look forward to our chat next year. Yes. <laughs> Congrats for listening until the end of this episode. Of course, to best support Lifeline, you can share this episode to two of your friends and subscribe to the next episodes on any platform. See you next time.